What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Buffer Overflow Podcast, where we talk, tackle, and dissect all sorts of topics about software engineering, its culture, and how we do it at Buffer in a remote company of about 100 people. Uh, I'm Jordan Morgan, and with me is Joe. Joe, how's it going today? Pretty good, thank you. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. Uh, as some people will know, if you follow us on Twitter, this is, this is round two of this episode. So I feel like we've been officially christened into the podcasting uh, world by losing an entire episode from our last last stab at this. Yeah, and it means this recording should be pretty smooth with our conversation. Right? <laughs> yeah, let's hope so. So uh, I'm looking at the uh, recording software nervously. It says it's recording, so uh, you know we'll we'll see how it flies. Um, but uh, yeah, anyways, we've got a great show for you all today. We're going to talk OS releases. Um, so it is release season. Uh, it's kind of a little bit beyond us now, but uh, a new version of Android and a new version of iOS has hit everyone's phones. Uh, and for people like us, uh, Joe and I, who work in the mobile side of things at our company, uh, it brings a lot of challenges, brings a lot of discussions and decisions that have to be made. So that's what we're going to dig into today. Uh, now, Joe, just so I don't mess this up, uh, it's Android Q, which is called Android 10. Do I have that right? Yep. Okay. Yep, correct. Yeah, they've, they've removed the uh, letter releases and gone through numericals. Yeah, you know, I was so. talking with uh, Victoria, the other half of the Android team, and I was wondering, like, what do they do in the Android park now? You know, when we visited a few years ago, they had, like, each logo as, like, a little thing you could take a picture <laughs> with. So do they just have the number 10 now? You know, how do they do that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually. I think that's going to be... Slightly less fun to go and check out. <laughs> yeah, I know, because you got like a lollipop with a face and like a chocolate bar and then 10. <laughs> but maybe that's why they've like, because they were running out of space. Maybe that's why they've stopped it. Like, okay, we'll just leave the figurines <laughs> as it is. And we're just going to draw a, the number 10 on the wall and call it good. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, what can you do? Um, well, cool. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get us kicked off here. Uh, obviously, I'm going to be talking about it from the lens of iOS. And as always, if you're a first time listener, uh, Joe and I both work on the mobile side at Buffer. Um, so there's two of us on each team, um, and we have one designer and one manager. So on iOS, it's Andy and I. Over on Android, there is, An- or I'm sorry, Victoria and Joe. Uh, and being the designer, Marcus being our manager. So uh, a lot smaller and nimbler team than probably a lot, a lot of other companies, I'd say. Uh, so we're going to kind of show you how we kind of uh, thought about things for iOS 13 and Android 10 this year. Um, It does look different across both platforms, as you'll see. So I'm just going to go ahead and dive in with iOS. So every year when there's WWDC, uh, Andy and I, thankfully, we get to fly out there as part of our uh, continuing education slash learning stipend that Buffer uh, supplies for us. So uh, whether we get a ticket or not, we both make it to DubDub each year. And it's it's a really intense time. It's a lot of fun. You know, you got you get to meet all the other developers uh, in your community. But what we're really looking for are the marquee features of iOS. Uh, and this year there was a lot of them um, and a lot of new technology. Uh, and we'll talk about this in a little bit later, but that creates an interesting push and pull about like what feature uh, should be implemented in what API and so on and so forth. But but this year we kind of looked at things and saw, okay, dark mode's a big one. Uh, that's going to be so- supported natively by the system. Um, also multiple windows, which I think in marketing terms they're, they're calling it multiple spaces. Uh, and also a new way to interact with a system called haptic touch, which is the replacement for 3D touch. Um, so those were the three we kind of looked at. And the reason we kind of pick out a few of them is for a few reasons. One, we know that, that Apple's going to feature the apps that really are great platform citizens. And, you know, we take a lot of pride in Buffer's mobile apps. So we want to be in that category and in that conversation for when they're looking for apps to feature. 
Um, and two, we want to make a great experience for people that use Buffer on iOS. And we, we firmly believe that means taking uh, advantage of the latest and greatest. Um, so with that kind of high-level uh, thought process, I'm going to kick it over to you, Joe, and see kind of how you all think of things on Android when there's a new major version about to hit. Mm, yeah, totally. So it's that in, from that point, it's not too different. Like I think we do a, a kind of similar approach. Like you want to be a good platform citizen, like in terms of like features and the things that users want. I think it's like finding that balance. Like what what's a I guess I call it marketing feature. <laughs> like yeah. what's a marketing mm-hmm. feature and what's something the user can benefit from. Um, I mean this this time around for Android 10, like there wasn't. I think a, a huge amount of changes that need to be made. So to be honest, this time around, we didn't really have any difficulty being like, okay, what can we fit in and what can we not? Uh, I think the main thing we didn't get this time around was the dark theme, just because it was a big change and we had other features we were working on. So that was the one we had to put aside for now. But other than that, like everything else is kind of just small tweaks and small additions. So we didn't have to have that cognitive cognitive load on our side. But yeah, it's kind of just like working out what is what makes the most sense at that time um, to put in for both for both our users and also to keep to keep Google happy. Yeah, totally. And you make a good point because what's a marketing feature and what's beneficial to the user? They're not always the same thing. Um, mm. A lot of times they aren't. Uh, I think a good example this year for both of us is dark mode. Um, now, I, mm. I love dark mode. I use it a lot. I have the system on, you know, auto switch. So it pops over to dark mode at night. Um, but that is a very heavy, I would argue, marketing theme where it's like, this is a great new platform feature um, that they're going to show a lot. But if it's not there, you know, if it's not going to be the end of the world for the users. We want it there. But like if there's something that's a little bit more pressing, it's probably going to take precedence. Um, mm. The thing I think that's tricky there is you get into this push and pull where if you skip it now, it's going to be a lot harder to come back later. At least that's what I find on iOS. Yeah, totally. Yeah, especially theming stuff <laughs> like oh yeah it's, we can it's start doing view. stuff yeah yeah we can start doing stuff that only uses light mode but that will make it easier but we still have the whole rest of the app to move over so like we're kind of trying to do it bit by bit um but with android 10 we're kind of a bit lucky because in android 10 they have a system the system will try and make your app dark <laughs> oh, wow. so it's kind of like it could be a bit hit and miss on some screens so you can disable it and like you can override it and stuff um, we haven't got enabled yet just because we haven't really tested it fully. But um, yeah, it's good to have that option. So if you haven't got the time or the, the, the resource as such to, to put that in place, then you can fall back to that. I, I'm curious from a technical standpoint what that may look like. Uh, they, they kind of introduced something like that on iOS. They called it mm. uh, semantic colors is one way you could do mm. it to where you just would say, hey, this view should be a system background color. And then yeah. iOS decides like what that looks like. Mm. Yeah, I think the Google I/O app this year did did the same thing. It just made the background black, the text white, and so on. So yeah. you kind of have like defaults, I think. But which, which is kind of nice. It's, it's a nice idea. Along. Yeah, and and we both have custom theming that we have, like a little little bit of nuance here and there. So you know, there was support to what they call override, whatever color that would be. So we do that in a few places. But uh, dark mm. mode was interesting because a lot of apps had it, but now you got into this interesting UX problem where it was like if they're on iOS 13. Should we respect the theme that they have now or should we listen to what the system says it should be? Um, And I think that's an interesting one because we looked at how a lot of apps solve that and kind of the easiest way, uh, easiest way, not technically, but for the user to understand, uh, which is usually a good way to go with with UX kinds of things, I think, 
was just say like mm. override the system. And if you overrode the system, then you specifically chose which one you wanted. Otherwise, we would just kind of listen to what iOS said. Um, and that's mm. one thing I love about this time of year because you run into all these little like you know tiny little problems around how your app works today versus how it should work tomorrow, and everyone's kind of figuring it out at the same time. Um, so it's interesting to kind of peek at other apps that I respect and kind of see how they're solving the same problems. Mm. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, let's see. Okay, so dark mode was one. Now, the next one I wanted to bring up was one that was very interesting for us because it it, it brought about a significant architecture change, and that was multiple spaces. Uh, so if you're not an iOS user, basically what this means is uh, your app can now work kind of like macOS does, where you could have a bunch of instances of uh, your app up and running. So you could, you know pull up a, a bunch of windows and have like four or five buffers running. Um, so this was hard for a lot of reasons. And I think Apple knew this because in each one of their sessions about this, they kind of hinted at, you may have been building your app this way and you may hit this. And, you know, I was thinking, well, of course we are because <laughs> that's the way it's worked for a decade. You know, like it's been a one-to-one thing. Like you have one one instance of your app running. Uh, so, so what I discovered, long story short, is I got this up and running in Buffer. And as soon as you switched a profile, every single window switched a profile to the one you selected. And that was because we were using a singleton to house uh, this notion of a selected profile uh, identifier. So what what that meant for me is I spent a lot of my summer uh, ripping that apart. And after a lot of technical uh, research and discussion, leaning on dependency, uh, sorry, dependency injection to where we now give the view it needs uh, the information it needs to know about the profile it has. Uh, so Joe, I'm curious, have you all run into anything on Android before? Of course, this year seems like it was kind of a tame release where a feature kind of brought, brought about the necessity to kind of rip things open and, and make things, uh, almost inarguably a better way. I, I would say most people wouldn't argue me, argue with me if I said dependency injection probably is a little bit easier to test, use and maintain than maybe a singleton to house that information. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, we've had bigger things where... I think um, they removed, they added restrictions to like background services in a previous update, uh, OS update. And that was basically one of the, one of the changes that Google made to try and like increase security and um, for the users and, and privacy. Um, because, and we had a few features that were relying heavily on background services um, that were running literally in the background without the user knowing. Um, so that was kind of like, and they'd been in the app for a while. So that was kind of a way for us to be like, okay, these, this probably wasn't a good way of us doing this thing. So like Google putting this restriction in place is going to force us to do this properly and, and implement it in a better way. And we also had like uh, permissions for accessing media, which were added in Android 6. And that was kind of like needed us to do some rejigging because you have to request submission and then handle the... Um, you have to check permission, request permission, then handle the result from the permission before any kind of media is read or right. Um, so that was kind of, again, something that needed to rejig things between our media views and our screens. But um, those are probably kind of the biggest things. Like we haven't had to make huge architectural changes um, as a requirement. Like Android um, added some addition of these things called view models, which were part of the architecture components library mm, and that was kind of like a, a nice to have and we started adding those but that wasn't like a thing where we had to start um re-architecting stuff it was just like it just fitted in nicely and um it wasn't a requirement as such yeah and we we hit that i guess more than once because after i got dependency injection rolled out uh andy ended up working a lot on the theming and what we found is mm. 
we were trying to kind of roll that on our own, as many apps had to do out of necessity before iOS 13. And what we ended up on is just using the system APIs. Like it was one of those things where we just realized like this, the system is so ingrained with this new API and how it works and opinionated on when it should show this or the other. And there's these little nuances about when it says it's light or dark mode uh, that we just kind of came to the decision like the technical debt that we're going to incur trying to make this work for iOS 12 uh, is probably too great. Um, and so we made a choice to probably just lean on uh, supporting it in iOS 13. Um, so you hit mm. these kinds of decisions along the way that make things a little bit difficult. But um, I think that's the interesting thing about mobile development, specifically in terms of how much further back do you support. And at Buffer, mm. I, I don't know what it is on Android, but but for us, it's in minus one. So, you know, we'll support the last one back. But every now and then that means like something might might get, uh, you know, kind of lost along the way. And that's always like a tough balance to maintain, I think. Mm. Yeah, we, we support a bit further back, but um, I think we support down to Android 5. So it's quite like wow. quite, quite far back. But um, yeah, a lot of our users are still on 5 and it's a bit all over the place. Would you say that's but, more um, common for Android developers since, up, you know, upgrading is a little bit trickier on Android as I understand it. Like the, the fragment, I mean, it is what it is. Like it's just you have more fragmented user base uh, and that's more of a normalization than it is on iOS. Yeah, yeah, and like it doesn't cause a huge problem for us to be honest. Like it's just being aware of certain uh, API functions that are supported. Like you just add checks, like if if this is this version, then do this. Otherwise, do this, and just not having access to certain things. Like we don't really run into problems with it that often. Like it's only a few things here and there, um, but most of it we can get around. Like for example, we added uh, biometric authentication in the our Android 10 release. And that was only available as of Android 9, like the things we were using for that. So we just added a check to handle that. Mm, uh, yeah. But, but like, yeah. That can make the complexity go up too, I would imagine, because we have a lot of uh, what we call feature flips at Buffer too. So like that's mm. something that we're always trying to clean up when they're no longer relevant uh, within the code. And yeah, I, we've run into a few where it's like, if they have this version of iOS, if they have this flip, you know, so it's, I've always been curious about like how to really architect that in a scalable way. Um, mm. Cause every now and then I'll come back and s- see something. I'm like, I don't think this is relevant anymore, but then, then you get a little shy because you're like, well, what if it, you know, what if it is? Uh, so I, that's another thought that always crosses my mind this time of year. Cause I don't know, like cognitively, I'm like, all right, so we're up where, you know, we're cleaning up the app for this new version of iOS. Like, I feel like I should get in here and like refactor some things and make it better. Uh, but it's like, is this going to cause me more pain down the line? I'm yeah. not quite sure. You break everything and be like, oh, that's why that's there. Yeah. Oh, some broken iOS. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, cool. So let's let's back out a bit. So it seems obviously that on Android and iOS, we're kind of looking at the marketing features and the user features and balancing which ones, you know, should go, in, go into either one. Uh, before we go into the next talking point, I want to kind of uh, interject a little bit and talk about how we think about this, uh, let's call it OS work versus feature work. Because this was the first time since I've been at Buffer, uh, I've been here four years now, where we've had a major feature that we were working on alongside an OS release. So we had this push and pull of, you know, should we get, you know, iOS 13 work in? Do we work on this feature? Um, you know, we had a deadline for this feature to go out, like a rough idea of when, when it should be released. And so I found that very interesting. That was the first time I've experienced that. And basically what the long and short of it was is we knew that the feature had to come first, right? Like it was mm. part of a business launch, uh, you know, a, a core, and it, it's released now. It's the stories feature for Instagram. Um, 
so I guess we can just openly talk about it. Uh, yeah. So we knew that had to go out. Um, so what Andy and I ended up doing was we started off with splitting up our work where I would uh, work on an iOS 13 branch and bring down the story changes. And he would work on stories for a lot of the time. And then if we found we were kind of slipping behind on stories uh, or we needed to clean some stuff up, then we could kind of switch that and focus all of our efforts on stories. Conversely, once we had stories released, then we we flipped it the other way. Now we have both of us on iOS 13 and we're just, you know, powering through that. Um, have you and Victoria had how to again, I know it's not the same because uh, Android was a little bit tamer this year in terms of release. But uh, how do you all think about that kind of situation over on Android? Yeah, so we kind of did us like one of us was I, I worked mainly on the Android 10 stuff um, just because there wasn't a huge amount of stuff to do. So we thought, you know, one of us can power through stories, things and the other can hop back into Android 10 here and there and just make sure things are moving along. Um, so that's kind of the way we did it. Um, it wasn't a huge thing in terms of like conflicts or anything, um, just because, like I said, not being a huge amount of changes, we just able to do stuff like update the branch here and there with our main branch and just keep things moving check um but yeah like it was it was pretty smooth and because we didn't have any huge architectural changes we don't have to worry about oh um we're making this big change here so this is going to affect this and going to affect this branch because obviously we had our, our beta branch we had the android 10 branch we had the stories branch oh, wow. so obviously yeah yeah so obviously we wanted to make sure that wasn't going to be a problem and i don't know how like did you experience like because obviously you had your iOS 13 branch, I imagine. And then yeah. did you have a, a stories branch? We or was did. that going? So, yeah, I mean, it was tough this year because some of the things that we implemented in stories were already deprecated in terms of our mm. iOS 13 branch, like that singleton issue, right? But we knew iOS 13 wasn't going to come out before this. So we just lived with it and, you know, used this, the singleton selected profile ID for the first few versions of stories because we knew that was going to go out. And so what, what we kind of did is we just, you know, made sure we, we marked those in code like, hey, we need to clean this up. Uh, mm. And then I would pull it down or Andy would pull it down in the iOS 13 branch and get that fixed. Uh, and it was just one of those situations where there wasn't really any way around it. You know, stories was going to go out. Uh, we had a major re-architecture in another branch. So it, it is what it is. Just get it done in stories the way we have yeah. it today and then, then we'll fix it. Um, but one of the the lessons I learned in, you know, kind of doing the sweeping architecture changes to really make it easy on yourself in terms of like, how can I make sure the compiler catches mistakes? So mm. the first thing I did when I started this refactor is I just took off the selected profile uh, ID off the singleton completely. So if it was used anywhere, the project wouldn't even build. So, you know, the compiler nice. would catch it. So that made that a lot easier to kind of uh, deal with as we were switching. But now definitely a lot of merge conflicts, definitely a lot of things we had to uh, switch back and forth. Um, and we're, we're beta testing the iOS 13 branch heavily now as we speak, and we've almost got it there, but yeah, it definitely was, uh, a lot of work, um, that went into it, uh, just because mm -hmm. as soon as it, it was kind of defeating knowing as soon as you type something, it was already, you know, old news and that it had yeah. to be changed. But, you know, again, just, we, we didn't really know if there was any way to avoid that pain. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, like you were saying, you have to weigh up the, we had the feature to ship by a certain day and you have to weigh up like what can we get done and, and where to put the focus. Um, and I think, you know, you made the right call of, of focusing on stories and then we did the same and um, we still got Android 10 out for like around the release date of the, of the OS. But to be honest, um, like I said, we didn't have too many changes to make. So I think it's kind of a different situation. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. So, you know, mm. we'll see you next year. Maybe Android's going to have like a million changes and iOS 14 will just kind of <laughs> easy to easy going. So, yeah. You can, you can, you can come give us a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want that. Trust me. My Java is, is a little rough. Well, I, I guess Kotlin. You are using Kotlin yeah. these days, right? Yeah, you're not can, putting Java in the code base. <laughs> I, can, I can probably swing some Kotlin. Um, okay, so one more note I want to touch on, and that is not the user-facing uh, things, but more of the technological side. So this year, we got Swift UI, which was a sweeping change to the way we make apps. Uh, now, Andy and I, uh, some of you may know, again, if you follow us on Twitter, we are still all Objective-C in, in Buffer. And kind of the way we are thinking about that is as soon as there's ABI stability in Swift, and as soon as there is a Swift UI, or I'm sorry, Swift only framework, then, you know, okay, then we're going to use Swift. Like we like the language, but, you know, it does introduce some pain points uh, that we just didn't want to deal with if we really didn't have to. Um, so I remember at the very end of the keynote when they were kind of building up to it, you know, like in, in typical Apple fashion, they kind of string you along for a few minutes before, you know, they, they uh, have the next slide that shows the huge thing. So remember yeah. uh, Craig Federighi was up there, like their head of software development, and he was like, you know, we wanted to leverage Swift and we wanted to make UI frameworks easy to use. And Andy and I remember Andy and I just looked over at each other like, here it comes. Like, you know, this is the moment, <laughs> you know. And sure enough, the, they brought out Swift UI. So uh, we're really <laughs> excited about Swift UI, actually. Um, it's a declarative yeah. UI framework. Uh, I think it's going to solve a lot of pain points and it'll be the future of how we do things. But you have to really kind of pump the brakes and think to yourself, when should I use this? For mm. us, it's not right now, but it's a lot sooner than you think. Uh, I, we think it's a great uh, alternative to kind of rework our watch app. So um, mm. how on Android, how do you all specifically think about there's a brand new, like Jetpack Compose is a great example, I guess. Mm. I know it's in like alpha, but when, when do you know when it's ready to go in Buffer? Yeah, <laughs> so that's a good one. Yeah, it's, the Jetpack Compose is pretty much the same, but it's not, nowhere near as ready as SwiftUI, I would say. It's not even an alpha. I think it's like dev preview. So, yeah, it's kind of like we've used, we try and only use like stable uh, libraries and stable things in our app. I think a couple of times you've had to use alpha releases. So, for example, in the Android 10 release, um, they added gestural navigation. And there was a lot of issues where the the gestures were interrupted, interfering with the navigation drawer. Like you're trying to open the drawer and instead you'd go back um, using the gesture. And so you had to use an alpha version of the draw library to prevent that from happening. Um, and that's like one of the few times we've used alpha releases because it's always mm. a bit like, well, they're, they're, they're meant to be ready, but, um, but they're not ready for, they're not, they're not stable. They're not technically stable. So um, you, it could be unexpected behaviors. Um, but yeah, we kind of like, I like to wait. We like to wait and just see like until stuff's stable just to avoid any issues and so on. And I think especially with Android because of the fragmentation, like we have to be careful of like, you know, because obviously not even Google can test their libraries across all the different Android versions and all the different OSs and um, the differences with the OSs as well. So yeah, it's tend to just wait until, until things are like officially stable. Yeah, and I, I can imagine that's, a lot more important in many ways on Android due to the amount of complexity inherent to to the platform, right? A lot of mm. different phones, a lot of different vendors, APIs, uh, you know, and users are on all sorts of uh, across the spectrum of those. Um, curious mm. with the gestural navigation, did that change things like fundamentally in the way that you had to think about any of your apps logic? Uh, again, I've, no, I've not done any Android dev, so I know on iOS, like we have this notion of when like a view appears and it disappears. And 
when the iPhone 10 first came out, like you could really just swipe between apps super fast. So if you're doing any heavy work kind of mm. on those appearance methods, which was discouraged anyways, like I, I know that caused some problems. So if something like that, where you're thinking about using it, um, did it cause like a lot of uh, logic checks for this small kind of sliver of functionality that maybe not be with everyone, but like it's definitely coming to the to the mass audiences sooner or later? Yeah, so in the case of our app, we didn't see any issues other than the draw layout stuff. But um, for examples, like applications, I know like, uh, well, actually, you know, you know, we had the full screen preview for stories, mm-hmm. like, and you can swipe through or tap through each thing. Like, technically, that screen could have had an issue. Like, we tested it and it didn't. But like, a lot of media, a lot of applications that use like full screen, like immersive experiences that that use like swipe navigation, like view, like pages or so on. Um, would experience would like experience issues suggestion navigation there's no doubt about it um if you're using like edge to edge and so on um you would see issues of gesture navigation but there are ways it's i don't think it's uh looking at the documentation it's not dif- too difficult to fix it it's just testing it and being aware that those things can happen um and google have made it easy to sort of um to get around any issues that do that might mm. occur yeah, yeah, I guess they would have to think ahead on that too. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Now, as a uh, world-renowned GDE, i.e. Google Developer Expert, such as yourself, do you get any heads up on these APIs? Like, or do you know kind of what's coming ahead of time? Or is that like, no, you don't. <laughs> I've, I've been curious. I meant to ask you about this earlier. But uh, hey, mm. we're on the podcast, so perfect. <laughs> we, we do, yeah. Um, it depends what it is. Like, sometimes, like some things we know about in advance like a couple of months um sometimes it's a bit shorter than that um in terms of like the just like android 10 stuff there wasn't too much that we knew about beforehand just because google are quite open with the developer previews so mm. kind of like everyone knows about it anyway um for the last android release android p i did go to a a, a day where we learned about android p and sort of learned about all the things oh, before awesome. they were even put into preview which was quite cool um but yeah, and general libraries we, um, we GDE tend to know about before as well because Google are quite active in seeking feedback from the community. So um, the GDE is a kind of a good point. Um, there was actually a library that was released at Google I.O. Um, called Camera X. And about five, six months maybe before it was released, um, I was doing some testing for them and like, giving them feedback on the API and stuff. So that was cool. And that was on behalf of Buffer. So that was like um, giving, being able to contribute to to things as well is really, is really neat and sort of help to shape the way in which they work oh yeah yeah like i remember yeah. uh, seeing one slide that had your quote on it about like i think it was a billing library api or something mm. like that so uh, yeah yeah i was like oh i know that guy yes yes okay so let's wrap things up with a reader mail question and this one comes from uh, my good friend sean allen who also does a lot of good ios podcasts uh and so he says how early in the beta do you start? Are you implementing things on beta one or do you kind of hold off until things are a little bit stable? Um, so I'll lead off and then I'll let you kind of close with uh, your thoughts there. Um, so what we do in iOS is we jump in day one with the expectation that things are going to be straight up broke in a lot of ways. Uh, and every year they say don't put the new beta uh, OS on your phone and every year all of us do. So, you know, we're, we're pretty front and center with what's not working. Um, but Basically, it, it's not as bad as a lot of uh, developers may think. Uh, we we just have a super simple process. We just uh, you know use uh, paper from Dropbox, and we just simply note things in that could be our fault or could be the OS's fault. We're not quite sure. 
Um, and so Apple has a, a mechanism called feedback where you can kind of uh, file bugs uh, about the OS. So we'll, we'll do that, too, just to kind of help them out. And uh, the earlier you do that, the better, the better you know chance you have of getting it fixed. I, I believe someone in, at Apple, and I, I don't have this on the record, said, if you don't get it in by like beta three or four, it's probably not going to make, you know, like the GM release. So we, we try to do that as quickly as possible. But as the betas go on, they'll be more stable, obviously. Um, and then we'll just kind of cross-reference that list each time and see if the thing works. And if it does, then we know it was the OS that fixed it. If we get close to the GM, then whether it's the OS or not, it doesn't work. So, you know, we'll either like provide uh, like a hack if it's the OS and just mark it like hack in the comments and kind of explain like, hey, iOS is doing this. Uh, it's going to get fixed later. But for now, this is how we're going to handle it. Uh, or if it's on us, obviously, then we know that it's just the way we're implementing the API and we'll go in and fix it. So uh, TLDR, we start ASAP all the way through. Um, Android, what's it look like on Android? Yeah, so we have like, a, I think it's like four or five developer previews that we had for Android 10. And they were like all released within this uh, scope of several months. Um, the first few developer previews, like it really depends on what's happening with the release. So this year, because it, it was already clear that there wasn't going to be any huge changes, for the first few developer previews, it was more about educating ourselves on the changes themselves. Like and we had some media changes to make, which were just like permissions related. So it was kind of like looking into documentation and seeing how it's really going to affect us. And then when it comes to like the second or third developer release, we start thinking about the changes and like that's when we had the branch and we start um, coding changes in place and um, yeah so if there were bigger changes it would probably start earlier but just because of the the scope of things for this this year it was didn't really make too much sense especially with the stories feature work um in terms of feedback like we ran it uh we had we really speak is every week so as soon as we are making queue changes we are running them through the beta channel just to make sure there are no unexpected behaviors um, mainly with older OS versions, just because we didn't really see too much adoption for Android 10 for our users, like for for some time. So it was more kind of just making sure it was not affecting older users whilst testing it on Android 10 ourselves. Um, we did pick up some things in production um, that from a couple of users that to do with the media stuff, but we fixed them up quickly. Um, but yeah, that, that's the problem with the, with the slow adoption. Um, our beta track wasn't too good f- for checking out the actual android 10 issues for android 10 users but um yeah we managed to get most things ourselves before before that release anyway awesome cool well hey i think that's a good place to uh end the discussion this week uh as always feel free to reach out to us on twitter with any feedback or uh reader mail and we'll get them on the air uh joe thanks for chatting os releases until next time see you later see ya